Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com.
Hi, all you Rocky Horror fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker doing the time warp again and thanking you for tuning into Movie Attic Headquarters. We're in for a real treat today because it's our traditional Get Ready for Halloween show, which includes a revisit with Barry Bostwick, who played Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was our good fortune to interview Barry in 2007, and about this time, almost every year, we like to hear him talk again about his experiences with that uh, entertaining cult film. We also have a live chat going on during the pre-recording today, so let's check with Nikki Starr for a report about that. Nikki, are you still doing the time warp? I'll never stop doing it. (laughs) I know. I feel the same way. And are all systems go in the chat room? They are. We're ready. Great. Thanks, Nikki, for being here to help with the show. You know, and thanks to the people who sign up for the chat, as well as our other listeners, I think Barry Bostwick is one of um, your favorites. Am I right about that, Nikki? He certainly is. I just love him, love him, love the interview, and I could listen to it over and over again. I I could, too, and I believe listeners will understand why when they hear Barry. But first, I'd like to go over some of his other showbiz accomplishments because he didn't just, uh, you know, pop up in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show and then uh, that's all that happened to him. He's appeared in over 100 films and TV productions, and he may be best known as the clueless mayor on Spin City, but he's a triple threat entertainer, a singer, a dancer, an actor. He created the role of Danny Zuko in Greece on Broadway and won a Tony for his work in The Robber Bridegroom. He's appeared in such TV programs as Cougar Town, Glee, Scrubs, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, George Washington, and War and Remembrance, for which he earned a Golden Globe. And among Bostwick's numerous movies are Movie Movie, which is the first time I ever saw Barry, and he just knocked my socks off in that movie, and I've been a fan ever since. He's also been in Hannah Montana, the movie, 101 Dalmatians, Spy Hard, Evening, and Swing. And he currently has the following upcoming films completed or in post-production. Holiday Baggage, Finding Joy, The Selling, Home Run Showdown, some guy who kills people, and FDR, American Badass, in which he plays Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It's my great pleasure to present Barry Bostwick's interview about the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Movie Attic Headquarters, and to thank Danny Dyer for editing and uploading it for us. So here's Barry. But my first question, Barry, is how did you manage to get the role of Brad Majors back in 1975? Well, you know, these kind of things, they sometimes they just sort of happen organically. I had been doing a lot of Broadway musicals, and so I was sort of known for being the sort of musical comedy boy uh, in the early 70s. That was right after Grease in 72 well, and did you win I, a Tony for one of those musicals? I did a Tony. I got a Tony two years later for a musical called The Robber Bridegroom in 1977. Right. So it was uh, it was uh, during this sort of period and of, of of my really heavy involvement in musicals. And um, 
uh, and I just went and auditioned for it like everybody else, except, interestingly enough, Susan Sarandon and I auditioned together. We oh. were called in together, we read together, we sang together, and we got the job together. And <clears throat> I guess they sort of had paired us up before we even auditioned. To, you know, She had quite a, a resume of films already. I, I was somewhat new to the film business, having come from the stage more. Well, the two of you just looked so great together. I can see why why you were picked as uh, as Brad and Janet. What was it like to work with Susan Sarandon? Oh, she's a real pro. I mean, not only that, she's just the smartest person in the world, and and was um, uh, so available to learn some new things. I mean, she had really never sung before, and uh, she just worked so hard to. Uh, um, I uh, get up to speed with all of that and um but you know her charm and her beauty just carried her through all of that and she and she exceeded uh, and succeeded and and she was um um you know she she's I keep on saying she's so smart and she's so dedicated and uh and has a great sense of humor that it it, it made it made what could have been a very rough time you know, very enjoyable. Well, I, that's what I wanted to ask you about because I know we had we had talked uh, before uh, for another uh, article that I was writing, and you talked a little bit about some of the obstacles that you faced while while filming. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, it was constantly raining. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a very low budget film. I think it was made for under a million dollars, which is sort of unheard of these days. Uh, not that it hasn't generated, you know, a hundred times that or three hundred times that since it's been released, but um, so therefore it was really a low budget, low low, you know, rent kind of, you know, endeavor for the producers. They had done the the original show on stage in London and in Los Angeles, and they just sort of wanted to get it on film and and do something that just sort of put it all to bed. You know, they had been with the show for so long tim had been with it for a long time and um and so we were shooting on sound stages that didn't have toilets and shooting in the old castle that had holes in the roof the roof was falling in and you know we were <laughs> all frankenstein's castle <laughs> yeah yeah well it, the hammer film hammer horror movies used this old manor house or castle which is right across the field from bray studios where we had a sound stage with our main set set up. And so when we wanted to do anything that was inside of the castle, we just sort of trekked across the field into this old broken-down house. And uh, we had to sort of stay on the first floor because if you went any higher than that, you got drenched from the rain coming through the holes in the roof. Oh, no. And so, that... Yeah, so Susan came back with pneumonia. I, oh. was, uh, I was pretty much just wet the whole time. and uh, um, But... You know what? It it it. I'd never been to England before, so it was it was it was opened my eyes up to a whole new world of of people and things and uh, uh, and ways to spend my money, the little money I had. <laughs> so, in spite of the obstacles, you had some enjoyable experiences while while filming the movie. Oh, I had a great time. I I I think I discovered flea markets when I was in London. That <laughs> that trip. Uh, <laughs> Every weekend I was down at some Bermondsey market or something, you know, 
buying little trinkets and this and that and uh uh it was um it was a great time it was just it was just a great time and we worked hard i mean we worked very very hard on that movie well it certainly showed in the in the result what's your favorite scene in the movie uh wow my favorite scene in the movie was probably a scene that was cut and then put back in in a later version uh song that i sang in the bedroom was a uh, frankenfurter um and uh, uh it was like post sex post sex with him and i had this song and uh and it was just sort of in the wrong place in the film uh it it stopped the action and i understood why they cut it in the final edit uh cuz the the movie was really pushing forward at that time and it sort of stopped everything cold in its tracks but it's on one of, it's on the newer uh releases of it as a sort of addendum and uh uh it's really quite good so it's in the dvd versions that are out now probably. yeah yeah i think so i don't know if it's been edited into the actual place or if it's something that's been added on at the end uh just as a curiosity you know well did you have any idea when you were making this film uh oh, oh i'm sorry to stop you the, the other thing i really oh. enjoyed was oh. uh was the makeout scene in the in the pool where everybody was uh, dressed up in uh, bustiers and and uh uh, and high heel shoes, and we all jumped in the pool and uh, were uh, fondling each other. <laughs> well, I guess you would. I love that, and, I, and, I, and that that became a problem because when you get out of the pool, we had to sing a song and do a floor show dance routine, and we were all just <clears throat> wet, slippery, and uh, you know, d- dancing's hard enough, but try to do it in six inch spike heels, you know, on a wet floor. <laughs> Now you have have respect for Ginger Rogers, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I my favorite, of course. I, I am an avid musical fan, and I just absolutely loved the time warp, the routine to let's do you know, and let's do oh, the yeah. time warp again, and the and the lyrics and everything. But did you have any idea that this movie would become such a cult classic? No, I mean I don't even think cult cla- cult cult things didn't really exist at that time. This sort of, uh, uh, you know, created a whole new genre. I mean, I think Pink Flamingos was out or something, but uh, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, it was discovered by the fans, created by the fans, and became a spectacle because of the fans. Uh, We just thought we were making another sound of music, you know. (laughs) We just didn't, we uh, we just thought we were making another film, just another musical film, and Nobody could have anticipated the the edge uh, that it developed uh, in the public's eye, and uh, the and the way it just sort of caught on, like you know, like a like a brush fire from coast to coast, meeting up in Kansas City somewhere a few years later, um, and uh, you know, it, it to me, it, it we we were just having fun, and and I think it shows. Well, it does show uh, in up there on the screen, and I remember that uh, Susan Sarandon said that this is the only one of the many films that she made that she thinks will be in a time capsule. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and I was wondering where where does Rocky Horror Picture Show rank in your list of career achievements? Uh, you know what? It's one of those sort of sidetracks, one of those. Uh, um, 
sort of alleyways that a career goes down, and and it, it hits the end of the alleyway, and then you sort of turn around and come back. But it doesn't really lead anywhere because it's such a one-off. It's such a unique experience. You know, I mean, I didn't, after the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I didn't go out and do four other, uh, you know, musicals about transvestites. No. <laughs> they're, they're just, they just weren't out there, you know. So, and uh, it was, uh, it, it, to me, it was, it's a, it's a, I'm very proud of the work. I'll always be uh, amused by it, and certainly I'm uh, appreciative to the fans who keep it alive year after year after year after year after year, you know, and uh, I'm, uh, and I wish I could do something else like it, you know. Um, oh, I, I wish you could, too. Uh, I'd be first in line, I think. And, you know, this, I really think that this movie deserves its uh, cult following because, just it's it's really there's a lot beneath the surface in this mm-hmm. film and of course I love the all the outrageous costumes and the makeup and the unusual music but it seemed to me that it was kind of exploring the feeling of being different and the the pain that goes with that with that feeling it just it's it was kind of melancholy in a way too so it had more going for it I think than than just uh, being bizarre and uh, and outrageous, and of course I'm just under the spell of that uh, Richard O'Brien music, yeah. especially especially the the time warp. Well, well, you know what? Let me just ask you. I mean, the the, pro- the thing I I I think is one of the reasons why it took off is because of exactly what you're talking about. You know, these sort of disenfranchised kids who had no place to go on Friday night and and and. You know, maybe there was five of them in every little city around the country who felt like they just didn't belong anywhere, and they created a place for them to belong. They created their own society. They created their own friendship. They created their own party every weekend. You know, they created a place for them to act out and and be who they thought they were, you know, and who they think they were inside and uh, in, in a safe environment where they wouldn't be... Uh, mocked or belittled, uh, you know, I mean, outside. It, it was, uh, to me, it, you're right, there is a, there is a melancholiness to it. I mean, look at the last scene of the, of the, of the movie, you know, we're, we're, we're groveling around in the mud and the, in the dust and, and, uh, uh, it, there's, yeah, I think there's, it, it works on so many levels. It certainly does. And, I'm just so sorry that I'm, I've missed any of the midnight shows where uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has played, and, two, and, and uh, you know, one of those parties that you're talking about, because that must have been so much fun for the people taking part in it. So well, maybe was, I can catch one out here yeah. in the sticks. <laughs> well, that, that's really what you know what it is. I mean, it's that's that's what made it what it what it is. I, I mean, I think if you didn't first see it in the theater with a cast of kids you know, playing the movie in front of the movie and all of that, you really miss the experience of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, you could take the tape and go home and play it and enjoy it, you know, on on just purely a filmic level, but it's it's really a happening. It's really an exper- experiential. You, you had to become part of it uh, to, to totally get it, I think. And that's why it has it has so many fans. I, I think it's... Uh 
time now to check with uh, my helpful producer, Nikki Starr, to see okay. if we have any callers. And by the way, Barry, mm -hmm. Nikki is also a big fan. <laughs> oh, Nikki, hi. Hi, hi. Nikki. Hi. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> yes, I am. I am a big fan. Well, thank you. Very big fan. And we actually do have a caller. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you for holding 512. You are on Movie Attic Headquarters with Barry Bostrick. Hi, this is Sunny Goodman. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. I have another blog talk show. Nikki and I have been talking on the chat room. Barry, I just love you. Oh, well, thank you. And I have loved you for 30 years. <laughs> Welcome to the club. And you're, only yes. 30, and you're only 34 years old? That's it. I went when I was four. No, I uh, went there when I was about 26 or older uh -huh. than that, and I worked in a psych unit as a nurse. Oh, wow. And we got off, and we went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show in San Diego. Oh, my God. And it was just bizarre. <laughs> and I thought I went from one psych unit to another. <laughs> <laughs> and how many people from the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show ended up in your psych unit eventually? <laughs> I, can't, I don't think that there was an estimate on that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to say I really like you. I have another uh, blog talk radio show for erotic writers. Oh, my gosh. So uh, I just thought it was more of an erotica movie than it was uh, a horror movie, really. Yes, I know. I think you're right. I mean, it was really pushing the pushing the envelope there, wasn't it? It was wonderful, yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you after all these years, my plaid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, it was nice to talk to you, too, and thanks for the compliments. Okay. Well, I'll let somebody else talk to you so they get just as excited as I am right now. Oh, All well, right. tweet of you. Thank Bye. you so much for calling. Bye-bye. Thank you, Betty Jo. And we do have another caller. Okay. Great. Thank you for holding 806. You're on the Hi. air. Hi. Hi. Who's calling, please? My name's Annette. Um, I'm also another host on Blog Talk Radio. I just had to call in and say hi to Barry. I do have a couple of questions for you. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I wanted to know, I was curious if you guys knew about the phenomenon of the movie with the people standing up and acting it out at the time, and if you ever snuck into one to see what it was about. Once that took off a few years after we made the movie, uh, you know, the movie was a huge failure when it first came out, and then yeah. it was rediscovered by the fans, and then, and then it, this sort of whole party atmosphere was created. And and I was very curious, and so I went into uh, New York, and well, I was living in New York at the time, but I went and saw it and sat in the back, and uh, nobody recognized me, so I was able to really see over a period of time the sort of growth of the audience participation um, all the way up until when an actual album was made of all the shenanigans that went on in the audience as opposed to what was going on on the screen, which was in many ways more fascinating to me because I knew what was going to be on the film. But, right. what, but what was constantly surprising was what people were yelling out at the film. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, they weren't always complimentary to me. <laughs> right. Well, the only things I really remember, because I never got to experience that. I was a little young when the movie first came out, and uh -huh. uh, and uh, not that I'm young now, but <laughs> yes. um, but I remember seeing it in the movie Fame, 
yeah. where they talked about where they went and saw it and and did all that and they're like kick it kick the tire and then you kick the tire in the movie and uh stuff like that but the other question i have for you is kind of a stupid one but i was just wondering how you enjoyed dressing in drag and doing all that stuff dressing in <laughs> drag uh i think that uh at i would think i would enjoy dressing in drag at any age I just, just like most, like people like to dress up for Halloween. Right. Actors, actors, just we dress up for a living. Whether I'm putting a suit on or whether I'm putting on culottes and a you know a pink sweater, um, <laughs> it's just it takes me away from my mundane uh, daily existence and uh, lets me fantasize and uh, create uh, you know somebody unique and new for myself and. Uh, um, for for actors who have multiple personalities, which most of us do, it's a it's a perfect way to act it out. And um, uh, I wish I had held on to some of those uh, costume pieces. I probably could become quite rich on eBay at the moment if I still oh, had my yes. my stiletto heels. But uh, who knew? <laughs> so, who knew? Right. Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much for answering my question. Well, thank you for asking. Thank you so much for bye calling bye. in. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we have another caller. <laughs> Great. Thank Hello. you for holding. Thank you for holding 201. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. This is Alan Levy. How are you? Hi, Alan. This is Rick Bostwick. Mr. Bostwick, this is Blog Talk Radio CEO Alan Levy. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice, uh, welcome to uh, the Blog Talk Radio Network and Betty Jo's show. It sounds great. Oh, good. Nice to have your, your fans calling in. But I have to say that when I saw that you were on the uh, the banner and coming on the show, I, I, was, I grew up in, in Long Island mm-hmm. and in the 70s. I graduated high school in 77. And at Uniondale, I lived 10 minutes from Uniondale, and that was the Rocky Horror that's where it started, I think. One of the places. I don't know about in L.A., but in New York, right? You were prime meat. Prime. It was every Friday night at midnight. We were online waiting, and just that's where we that's where we went. That was our Friday night. In did, you, did, you, did you dress up? Did what? you dress up? No, I, 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 was, I was wearing overalls and doing other things. I didn't dress up. You're a chicken. Uh, I was throwing stuff, though. I was good at throwing. I didn't dress up. But <laughs> there was plenty of people, though, that were dressing up. And uh, it was just the place, you know, we would go there. It, it was really a, a weekly thing. It was, incre- that, it was so much energy there. It was incred- that was at Uniondale, uh-huh. as you recall. I don't know if yep. you guys must have done some, some shows there or something, too, or visited that place. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, uh, did you did you yell back at the screen? Yes, yeah. We all yelled at the screen. We knew the words. I mean, this was honestly it was a weekly thing, and uh, it how was many times just, would you say you saw it? Fifty. Wow. <laughs> fifty times. <laughs> oh. I mean, at least fifty. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a whole it was it was it was the social. It was either you know you go to the co- a concert or you go uh-huh. if you're not going to a concert. It, in Uniondale at NASA Coliseum, then you go to Rocky Horror and you get there at eleven. You wait online. Everyone's hanging around doing their thing. You see the movie and then you're at the diner after. I mean, that was funny. It was that's really one of the early places where Rocky Horror became, you know, this uh, had this identity. Was there a right? cast? Was there a cast doing the show in front of the movie? 
You know, a few times they did, and there was a few of the, few of the people that would would come in and they were dressed up in full garb, and they would go up into the front of the audience in the in the the stage, and they would go and either do some stuff before the movie, or they would certainly walking up and down the aisles during the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it hadn't really taken off yet, where they they had organized this sort of show in front of the show yet. No, no. This yeah. is really when I mean I don't know when did, it, did the movie come out around seventy five seventy five yeah yeah so this was seventy six so seventy five it was still very fringe of course it was on mm-hmm. the outside on the edge but this Uniondale Theater was the only place in Long Island I think it was playing wow it was there and no I think it was at the Waverly in New York City I think it had, it had started in the city and it worked its way out to the island and then. Uh, it just caught on, you know, and just started traveling around and uh, became the sort of hip and interesting and, uh, you know, happening thing to do. Right. Yeah. But thank you for being part of the of the whole Rocky <laughs> Horror experience. And yeah, well, it was a formative, uh, look, formative years of my life, but it was uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, Did it warp you in any way? <laughs> no, I, I survived that. Uh, yeah? I wasn't, you know, there were some people that were deadheads in, those, in that era that would go to 50 dead shows and... And, and they was everything the dead. They had to travel everywhere. I mean, I wasn't like that with Rocky Horror. I just I grew up in Long Island in Nassau County, mm-hmm. and it, we had we didn't have a lot of things to do. But Rocky, that's where everyone congregated, so we went there, and so therefore we got to see, you know, the movie. You know, I, I attended it fifty times. I'm not sure how many times I got through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, so. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad you're on the network and enjoying uh, Blog Talk Radio. And, and Betty Jo, thanks for your sh- your time. Oh, thank you. thank you. This has just been such a treat for me, and I really appreciate you calling in, Alan. Well, my pleasure, and enjoy. Have a thank good you, day. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Bye-bye. Alan. Bye-bye. And that's all the callers. We have four minutes left. Well, oh. weren't they wonderful? Yeah. Thank you so much. You I mean, it was... So- uh, so many, many fans. And now, Nikki, I think you said that you had a question, too, when we were talking earlier. Well, I have a couple couple of them, but most um, I have some questions in the chat that I'd like to get to him. Some of the fans want to know if you if you have any pictures from when you were on the set. Do you keep any? Did you keep any photographs from when you were on the set? I keep looking for them because I'd like to. I'd like to get a make a picture book or something of this sort of backstage thing, but I can't find any. Um, there wasn't the time in which digital cameras. If we had digital cameras, there'd be more pictures, you know, than you could you could ever possibly sell. But uh, we, I had, a, I have a few, but nothing that that's uh, you know that's that unique. Um, I've got one of us standing in a in a drying booth after one of the uh, scenes in the pool, after the booth had just caught on fire. Uh, we had a fire on the set and almost burnt the whole set down. Because oh. the heat, heaters got too close to the walls in this little room that we would go in to heat to, to sort of warm up, because the pool wasn't heated or anything, and it was the middle of winter. And um, uh, I have a picture of that and uh, a few others, but no, I wish I did. I, you know, probably I had more, and they, and who knew what the show was going to become, or I would have saved them all and right. archived. Hindsight, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. And then I have, I just have a confession. Uh-huh. To make um, <laughs> that that Rocky Horror Picture Show gave me a fetish for men in bustiers oh. and nets. Yep, that's <laughs> me my whole life too. And, so and yeah. how do you and how do you find men to do that? How do you <laughs> well, convince them to do it? 
it's a secret. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. 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 You know, it's all about trade. <laughs> it's I all about see. trade. But yeah, I have I have fond memories, and it's a great one of my top ten movies. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, th- th- I think the really interesting thing about it is that everybody has some kind of of a memory about it. It's like not a lot of movies do you carry something with you into your future, you know, going, oh, I remember that Friday night or those 50 Friday nights, you know. It's, uh, you see a movie and you just sort of say, oh, that would entertain me for the time that I was there. But this was about adolescence. This was about changing of your of your whole personality and, uh, you know, it was... Uh, that's well was, said. Well, well said, Barry. You know, it's, it's really a, a special, unique uh, experience as well as a movie. But my goodness, I hate to be the party pooper. It's oh. astounding. Time is fleeting. Oh. And we're almost out of time now. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much, Barry, for coming. Well, all I can say is just don't dream it, be it. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. turned out a lot to Nikki and me as well as to your other fans and the people who love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, thanks so much to Nikki for, for helping out today and to Danny Dyer for her technical assistance. Thanks again to Barry Bostwick for such a terrific interview, as well as to our wonderful callers and chatters and and other listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed hearing that interview. Nikki, did you enjoy hearing Barry Bostwick once again? I loved it. (laughs) He's amazing. Uh, you know what I enjoyed was uh, uh, was hearing your confession, and uh, also <laughs> and also it's the three. The, never, I, it's true. It is a true yeah, confession. Yeah. yeah, and the three and the three callers uh, they were they were just absolutely great. I wonder if our listeners uh, knew uh, that at one time MTV was planning to make um, to do a remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And there was such an outcry from the fans of this movie. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with uh, MTV giving up the idea to do uh, a remake. But last year on Glee, one of the most popular episodes of Glee was the night that they did the homage to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, and it was so, actually episode ever yeah yeah it was just great it was just absolutely great well i think it's uh, ryan murphy who was the creator of uh, glee that made him think about um starting again to think about doing a a remake and i i tried to find out where that uh you know where the plans for that uh are but i i couldn't find out so have you heard anything uh nikki about the plans to have to have the remake uh, by the fellow that does Glee? I haven't, and my only thing is this. I don't mind a remake, but the great thing about Glee was that they stuck exactly to the script. Yes. In their homage. I don't want a remake that changes. Therefore, I really don't think we need a remake. I think we need to re-release. <laughs> yeah, right, a re-release or keep playing mm-hmm. it. And uh, for midnight midnight shows, I I wish that they would play it for a midnight show here in my uh, hometown where I could see it because I I have really never gone to a midnight show 
where all the people dress up. I've just heard about so, it and seen clips and seen clips about it. So, so that would be a better idea than thinking about doing a you know, doing a remake. I I certainly do agree with you about that. And you know, I just love hearing Barry Bostwick talk about the the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's just so gracious and candid and and willing to share so much uh, with us. And wouldn't it be awesome? Because the way he talked about Susan Sarandon, wouldn't it be awesome if we could get Barry and Susan Sarandon to do our show together next year for <laughs> Halloween? Yeah. It would be awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe we could even persuade them to sing their Brad Janet duet on the show. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I'm just, I'm just getting so excited thinking about it. Well, I can't promise anything but I'll sure try to try to make this happen. And I wanted to thank the the chatters that um, signed up today for, uh, and they've they've been such fun to chat with. Uh, we had we had some fans of Rocky Horror Picture Show and uh, some interesting uh, points of view about uh, the ending of the movie from uh, from Ce- from Cecilia, aka H two O I U S who doesn't think that the that the ending of a Rocky Horror Picture Show is is quite up to par but um but she loves she loves the loves the rest of it and we thank so much for for that contribution Cecilia well returning to this year I hope everyone will come back next time for a celebration of Star Trek's 45th anniversary with yay. one of Hollywood's most yeah, yay. Nikki, I think Nikki's seen every one of the Star Trek episodes and all the yep. follow-ups on television, so she's excited about that. And our guest will be one of Hollywood's most entertaining storytellers, Stephen Showhead. He was here with us not too long ago when we did the Disneyland Memories episode, and everyone loved that. So I think people will will really enjoy hearing these revealing anecdotes about uh, Star Trek. And uh, he talks not only about the TV show, but also about the film franchise. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then uh, the following week is Halloween. So Mad Movie Man A.J. Hockery will be here. He's our horror expert, and he'll be here on that uh, show to share his recommendations about the best horror flicks of 2011. So I don't want anyone to miss either one of of, uh, those fun shows. And we we do have a few minutes left. So I wanted to remind listeners about a generous offer from filmmaker Dr. Ravi Godsey. Nikki, you remember he came on our show a while ago to talk about his comedy, If It Ain't Broke, Break It. And uh-huh. uh, he's changed the name of his movie. Um, I'm not so happy about that because I think If It Ain't Broke, Break It is a wonderful title. But he's changed it for DVD release to Help Me Help You. And if you go to his website, you can find out about this unusual offer. The link to Ravi's site is www.helpmehelpyoumovie.com. If you buy Ravi's movie and don't laugh, you can get your money back, plus an apology <laughs> from him <laughs> for having wasted your wasted your time. And, but you get to keep the movie. And, and Ravi says that this is no 
stunt and there are no hidden pitfalls. You don't even have to fill out a form or tell him why you didn't like the film. So if you enjoy comedies, and this one really made me laugh, why not go to www.helpmehelpyoumovie.com and take uh, Ravi up on his offer. So um, so are you going to take Ravi up on his offer, Nikki? I might have to. I like him. Yes, that was the show when Steve Gutenberg called in, who was one of the cast members, remember? I and know. He, and he, and he insisted that he wanted more close-ups. Uh, that was movie. great. Yeah, and so he, we, had, we really got a, got a uh, chuckle <laughs> out of that. Well, that's all for now, folks. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support. And to close the show today, let's do the time warp again. Astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.